0: Hello everyone, it's beautiful to be here with you and uh, we just have such a glorious opportunity today, such a, a wonderful topic to dive down the rabbit hole, uh, away from theology, away from philosophy, beyond uh, right and wrong and good and bad. We're going to dive down the rabbit hole today. Deeper than ethics, deeper than morality, uh, deeper than rules and regulations. Uh, I just did a Wednesday movie gathering and uh, and I was sharing there that really the there's only one being. We were talking about uh, what's going on with the United States and the, the issues uh, that are rising up right now. Uh, for example, racism, and I said, well, there's really only one being that is, is not racist. So it's very simple, actually. The only being that's not racist is, is the Christ idea, the Christ. <laughs> everything, everything else is, by definition, <laughs> racist. And I was using the example of, a, of ev- everyone who seems to be in form and who believes they're a body, you know, they're a human racist. So and and Christ is this eternal, glorious, happy idea that's one with God. And of course, I'm not meaning Christ being the man that lived two thousand years ago. I'm talking about the eternal spirit, the Christ. I'm not when I talk about uh, Buddha. I'm not talking about uh, Siddhartha or or a, a separate being called Buddha. I'm talking about the Buddha nature, like the Christ nature. So you might say spirit is not racist. Spirit is not prejudiced. Spirit does not take sides. Spirit does not uh, uh, pick one over another. Spirit doesn't even know what superior and inferior mean. (laughs) It doesn't know what white superiority, it doesn't know what uh, any superiority even means because the light of heaven, the light of truth is uh, literally uh, real. That's what reality is. So we're here to, together today to join in diving down into that experience of the light. And obviously this is not a physical light. It's not a light of uh, sunlight or, or uh, iridescent light or nothing to do with radiant radiation light or any kind of light of this world, uh, fluorescence. It's it's just a light of wisdom. It's a light of of pure eternity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, what a topic we have. Open-mindedness. It's beautiful because uh, Kirsten did a a live uh, that Kenneth mentioned uh, yesterday. And Kirsten was talking about how really she was quoting that section on open-mindedness in The Course in Miracles and saying, you know, traits and qualities like, like love uh, and truth and don't really belong in the category of the discussion of the, the characteristics of the teachers of God because they're so far beyond evaluation that, that they are actually inappropriate uh, to, to put in that kind of context. But when we start talking about light... Um I think it can be very practical because uh, we are encouraged in A Course in Miracles to open our minds, open our hearts towards spiritual vision and the light of Christ, or the vision of Christ. And Jesus is teaching us that that is something that that we have in us, It's it's within us, because we are the Christ, we have the light of Christ, we have the vision of Christ, it's something that we can give. And it's something we need to learn how to give. In fact, that's the only portion, the only part of A Course in Miracles. If you could just realize that through your desire you can give the vision of Christ to all your brothers and sisters. You can just see Christ in them. Just like Mother Teresa, she was saying, telling all of her nuns, just practice seeing Jesus in everyone, in all the, the people you meet, in the babies you pick up, in the the homeless people you pick up from the streets, in everyone you meet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're uh, male or female, or young or old, or or babies, or, or adolescents, or adults. It doesn't matter whether they seem to be Hindus, or Muslims. She was just saying, let's, Let's practice seeing Jesus in everyone that we encounter. And that was like her core, her core teaching. you know that was like the core thing she was wanting to convey. And that's really what I'm going to talk today about with open-mindedness. I'm, I'm going to talk about, about giving the gift of, of Christ's vision, because as you give, so shall you receive. as you teach, so shall you learn. And really, that's the point of everything, when, when people say, is there any point to this earth experience? Yeah, that's the point, It's just to learn to give Christ vision. But to, to give Christ vision, that just means that you have to learn, teach what you would learn, you have to learn to experience your brother, your sister, not as a body, but as light. So so it's a way of training the mind to see light. And of course, light doesn't have any physical characteristics. Uh, None of the characteristics of time and space apply to this light. And also I think it's important to remember that um, Jesus is asked at one point in the text, you know, he's bringing up this point of you know, you may ask, from what I've just said, you may ask, how do I see my brother without a body? You know, if, I, if I'm supposed to see my brother with the vision of Christ, how? How do I see my brother without a body? And Jesus says, well, you don't really need to ask that question, how do I see my brother without the body? He says, he rephrases the question, he says, do I want to see him sinless? You see? So he's taking it away from a physical or not physical question. Like, how do, I, how do I see my brother or sister without the body? And he's saying, do I want to see him sinless? Is that the wish in my heart? Is that the prayer in my heart? And if I'm really going to go for this vision of Christ, that's what I really have to focus on. What does that mean except do I wish to see my brother sinless, meaning without error? without mistakes. Meaning uh, without mistakes on the timeline. Perhaps the way that I'm looking at everything in this world is mistaken, and perhaps I'm seeing a projection. Maybe I've been perceiving a hallucination. Maybe I've been perceiving a mirage. Maybe I am perceiving something that has No eternal value or no eternal possibility, but I've become so accustomed to it that I believe that it exists. I believe that it's there. I can even be told that it's a dream, and that can be a nice metaphor, but You know, from dreams, when you dream at night, uh, if you believe in the validity of the dream, it can give you, there's a lot of mixed emotions. You know, you can have nightmares uh, associated with dreams. And if we're being told, only love is real, uh, which Carol King helped us out, that's the name of her song, Only Love Is Real. If the Beatles are telling us, all you need is love, love is all there is, if the Course in Miracles is telling us nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists, herein lies the peace of God. If we put all those together, we can start to see that, that we have to be open to, to questioning our beliefs and the perception that we see. We can't simply accept what's presented to us through the five senses of the body as reality. Even in The Matrix, I, I remember watching The Matrix, and Agent Smith, at one point, when he's got Morpheus captured and tied up, he's, he says, uh, he's talking about humans, and he's basically saying, oh, they, they accept the world that's presented to them. In other words, The Matrix is a construct. It's just a make-believe generated computer-generated world, but in The Matrix, Agent Smith says that they accept the world that is presented to them. In fact, Agent Smith goes on to say if they ever really questioned it and they ever really doubted its reality, they could escape from it. Okay, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Agent Smith (laughs) in The Matrix even. You know, it comes everywhere. It's coming to us now. It's flooding into us. It's just saying... Don't hold on so closely to what your five senses are showing you. Because what your five senses are presenting you with is not reality. That's also why Jesus' mind training program to help the mind escape from this belief in a split mind and come back to the unity of forgiveness, of of an integrated whole mind, a unified mind, like the quantum field in in scientific terms, if we want to come to that, his first lesson is nothing I see means anything. And I know people have sometimes told me, well, he's just warming up there. Actually, if you can, if you fully go into the meaning and the experience behind lesson number one, nothing I see means anything, you've got the whole thing. You You don't need the 364 lessons. You can take it right in there on number one. You know, that's you really have to have a good desire for that, like, okay, I'm going to just dive down the rabbit hole with you, Jesus, and I'll just take it on in with lesson number one. Let's just roll right on into the light with lesson number one. And and so, open-mindedness, what can I share about open-mindedness except that, that it, it is easy when you see that it's of the Holy Spirit. And there's only one thing that blocks the Holy Spirit from entering and being in full awareness in the mind. And the only thing that blocks the Holy Spirit from being in full awareness, which is what the open-mindedness is, is. once once you say, decide for me, Holy Spirit, Uh, once you say, I will step back and let you lead the way. Once you say, I give you my mind, I give you my perception, I give you everything. Once you invite the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit fully enters in your mind in in the full way, then you're in open-mindedness. only thing that prevents that from occurring is judgment. That's why in the Beatitudes, you know, Jesus taught judge not. I mean that's gotta be uh, the simplest teaching Ever. Judge not. Or you could give the longer version. Judge not lest you be judged. Like you're, He's just saying, you're going to bring this on yourself. If you judge, you're going, to, you're going to perceive yourself as part of that judgment. And you're going to not know your reality as the Christ. Because God did not create Christ as a judging being. Christ is no racist. Christ is not biased. Christ is not prejudiced. Christ does not have evaluate in any way. It's just a pure state of love and light, eternal being. It's creation. It's its spiritual creation from God is what Christ is. And oh, today when I was even reading the questions and prayers that you're sending in, oh Barbara, Barbara, Barbara. My goodness. I had so much fun reading what you had written in today because your journey is everyone's journey. I mean, I was just reading and I'm going there it is. Right there. It's all a testimony to opening to the light. It's all a testimony to opening to oneness, opening to to joy and happiness and and you even wrote in about your your mystical experiences, your mystical experiences with Jesus, your mystical experiences with this, that's mist that seem to just come into the room where you've been and take and take over and just be all around you and and asking questions a bit about what does the mist mean and and which is good too because uh, I think probably tomorrow when Francis and I open it up is when we will try to relate some of these specific prayers and questions that came in. But I just wanted to thank you and also uh, Kristen. Lorraine had, had had some dreams which were very symbolic too. And, and uh, Kristen was asking some questions that came up about some of the dream symbols. And that was beautiful too because that was just like Barbara's expression. It's a huge springboard. It's a huge springboard. Uh, Linda Hall had written in from Florida, you know, about, you know, we're all in this together, and um, she basically ended her prayer by saying, please tell us how to go about tripping that master switch. She remembers, Linda remembers my talks from many years ago about there's a master switch in the mind, and, you know, you can seem to play this out in terms of time and space of, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, or you can trip the master switch, which basically lights up the mind in one instant. It's basically the holy instant is the master switch. So that was beautiful. That was your prayer at the end, uh, was please tell us how to go about tripping that master switch. That's also what I'm saying about let's go down the rabbit hole together. That's another way of saying it, uh, like in the What the Bleep movie or Alice in Wonderland, you know. Let's go down the rabbit hole of truth, not illusions. Let's go down that rabbit hole to where the light is, to where we have a direct experience of God's love. So I will spend today, really today's session, joining with you on an adventure of going down that rabbit hole together into open-mindedness, because that's our topic. And then tomorrow we will invite... um, Barbara and, and Kristen Rain and, and all of you really to to bring up your prayers, your questions and how that relates to you. It, wherever you seem to be uh, in that rabbit hole, uh, it has to be practical. It has to relate exactly, precisely to where you perceive yourself. We have to start from the point where you perceive yourself. That's very practical. You know. It's like Jesus, the Holy Spirit are saying, yeah, we're fine. Whatever, whatever you believe you are, wherever you believe you are, whatever you believe you are, that's okay. Uh, we have to start with what you believe in. We can't try to skip over your beliefs. In fact, Jesus tells us, you know, you're free to believe whatever you want. I would say, you know, you, you don't know consistent freedom, but you're free to attempt to believe anything that you want—that's what time and space isn't about. You—you—you're—you are not judged against the God will not try to destroy belief, Be, even though belief is not something from heaven. There are no beliefs in heaven; it's just pure business, light, love, knowledge—is what Jesus calls it in the Course. That's pure, and that's reality, and that's changeless, and so. The beliefs that you seem to hold, the Holy Spirit can work with, whatever they are, and it it doesn't really matter. And that ties into open mindedness too, because I had a realization where I started to see that what we consider separate beliefs on planet earth, beliefs about time and space, that they're all Equally illusory. And there's only one experience that shows them all as equally illusory, and that's forgiveness. Or you could call it in scientific terms the quantum field. Or you could call it whatever you want, really. You don't have to call it forgiveness or quantum field. You could call it unified perception, or holistic mind, or uh, purified awareness, or, you know. We could go on and on with many, many terms that are talking about this state of integrated mind where nothing is separate, nothing is apart, nothing is distinct. So once there is the realization that all beliefs are equally illusory, I'll say all specific beliefs about time and space are equally illusory, then that means that Jesus is as Illusory as Mary as Buddha as Krishna as and all of the mystics and saints, and then put all the tyrants in there, Hitler, Mussolini, you know all the all the evil ones we'll throw them in the pot and throw all the other ones in there too, billions and trillions of of personalities equally illusory. Uh, Billions and trillions of of aspects of time and space, different galaxies, different eras, different time frames. Um, Then scientists are saying, well the black holes are really fascinating because gravity is very different in the black holes and and the passage of time is extremely different in black holes. Ah, That's all an illusion too. Every specific belief about time and space has no reality whatsoever. And now you start to see a little glimpse of how joyful you can be when you have just the slight, slightest hint of that. Why would you ever get into a discussion or a debate about beliefs? Pro-life, pro-choice. The body is, is not real, so you're getting into an argument about when a body begins or ends or the use of a woman's body, or all those things, even around abortion, if you can look at any topic you raise, any topic about the environment, any topic you raise about religious differences, religious is peace of mind. You know, there's only one religious experience, is peace of mind. You know, it's, it's like if it inspires joy in you, it's, that's sounding more like, uh, like Byron Katie, Love what is, joy, happiness, expansiveness, connectedness. Uh, I think I read that once, uh, somebody on Facebook posted, that, yeah, that uh, Byron Katie had said, connectedness is my religion. you got to like that. Any kind of word that you can put in there that doesn't have a connotation of, of something opposing it. I mean, when I say connectedness, I'm thinking of, well, that's just light light is connected the quantum field is connected the mind is one that's that's about as connected as you can get <laughs> one one is so connected uh that's that's really the only essence that there is so i thought i would take us all on a journey into open mindedness and since a lot of you you know were raised in the judeo christian uh Context. I thought you know, there's there's so many amazing traditions. There's you know there's the Vedas. There's native traditions. There's there's all kinds of different philosophical traditions. And but just to use the context of the Judeo-Christian uh, theology and belief system, because Jesus Jesus seemed to appear in time and space two thousand years ago. And the closer and the more people listened to him when Jesus was speaking 2,000 years ago, the closer they got to him, to listen to him, they started to have a feeling like, whatever this presence is, it's not from here. <laughs> He's, he is talking. He's saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah, whatever that presence is is coming through that uh, long-haired man is not a time-space uh, Talk about alien, this is like, this is com- it's not even coming from another planet, or, or it's not even coming from another galaxy, this is like, that would be alien, but this is like, not from time and space, presence. And of course, that's what it spoke, it said, "Before Abraham was, I am. It really wasn't there to try to plug in and say, um, I know a lot of people who believe in history, they keep telling me that Jesus was Jewish. Listen, that Christ mind was, would laugh. It doesn't even know what Jewish is. It, it doesn't even know what Jewish means. Jewish, that does not compute. You know, it's like uh, Hindu. What's that? Tao. What's that? You know, it light is so pure that it doesn't even know of the symbols of separation. It's it's prior to time, before Abraham was I am, before Judea was I am, before Caesar was I am. You know, you can throw anything it you want. Before time and space was I am. So, when Jesus came, he was just like the he was revealing that presence of God's love. He was revealing the Holy Spirit. He was he was fully in line with the universal spirit. Some, if you don't like the word holy spirit, you say that's too christian, okay, throw it out then. Universal spirit we'll call it. You can call it anything you want. It's just speaking for truth as if truth could speak. Truth doesn't really even need to speak cuz it just is, but if truth could speak, if love could speak, if oneness could speak, that's what the universal spirit of holy spirit call it universal spirit. And then Jesus, using the Judeo Christian words, was just, he was the first to wake up from time and space. Really, that's just a metaphor too, because people don't wake up. You know, even when I say he was the first to wake up, you know, people don't wake up. The state of reality is a state that is independent beyond time and space, so you can't have something in time and space that wakes up to eternity. Eternity is just what is. So you're either aware of the eternal nature of the creations of God, or you're not. If you're not, that's called a split mind. That's believing that love and something else are real. Love and whatever. Call it whatever you want. Evil. Call it Satan. Call it error. Call it other. (laughs) God and other. No, no, there's no other than God. God, love, light, oneness is really, literally, factually all that there is. Oneness is all that there is as a factual basis. So it's not surprising that Jesus, instead of trying to come and and use symbols that overthrew everything, he just picked up from the Torah, and he picked up from the Ten Commandments, which actually you know Moses delivered long before, uh, that before, uh, before Jesus seemed to appear, basically he picked up and he he basically emphasized the first two commandments. You know, love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, and might, and and love your neighbor as yourself. You notice how love is very strong in both of those two commandments. You know, that's very they're very positive commandments too. That is not thou shalt not, thou shalt not. No. He's focusing on, on what's real and true. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And now that was uttered 2000 years ago and the human race is walk you know is walking around like what? You know, they're having it's it's been easy to hear those words, love God with all thy heart, soul and might and love your neighbor as yourself, but the practical application is like whoa. That's like Neo in the Matrix. Whoa. The human race is going, whoa, that's like some that sounds like some major teaching there, but in terms of practical application. And Jesus is just telling us, he's right with us right now, and he's just saying, listen, time and space is just a resistance to what I shared. I spoke from the I am. Time and space is like resisting that. And so basically, in modern quantum physics terms, and in uh, Lewis Carroll, uh, Alice in Wonderland terms, he is inviting us, come into the rabbit hole with me. You come down the rabbit hole. And this is a rabbit hole of experience. This is not a rabbit hole of belief. I mean, if you jump, if you jump into this rabbit hole, you are literally saying, take me beyond belief. Now that was one of the things that was important to me, because I started to realize that beliefs really, ultimately, were not that important. The only thing that was important was the judge not part, which is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a state where there is no judgment. Forgiveness is a state where everything is equally acceptable. And Jesus tells us that in the Course. Without judgment, all things are equally acceptable. So he's, he is really aiming us at, at this rabbit hole and saying, come come in here with me. Come into the I Amness with me. But you can't come with judgment. As long as you are still breaking the world apart, as long as you're still categorizing things, as long as you still prefer things in the world, that's all ego. Because to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, might, it means you come without judgment. Uh, That's also why in the Gospel of Thomas, he said an equally tiny teaching, to judge not, which I love judge not, was in the Beatitudes, he said in the Gospel of Thomas, be passers-by. And what was he asking us to pass by but this world of time and space? In fact, I do remember that he was basically saying... In the open-mindedness section, the centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes the teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, against the Holy Spirit, so open-mindedness invites him to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God as evil, so open mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt would send him to hell, so open mindedness lets Christ's image be extended to him. Only the open minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. So, the key right there is basically, it's basically saying you have to actually look at this judgment thing. Because if you want to be open-minded, you cannot experience open-mindedness and retain judgment. The judgment you, you have to release you you can't both be open-minded and judgmental because the judgment in this world is a sense of evaluation it's a sense of right and wrong good and bad better and worse and all the everything that this world is built on is built on judgment i've said before that judgment is not in heaven judgment is a device that was invented by the ego after the seeming fall from grace in order to stabilize the chaos you know the mind went from a natural state of nirvana or heaven just oneness and then it went in seemingly fall from grace and it was terrified it was horrified it was it was pure chaos and then the ego which is the belief in the fall you know that's what it is it's the belief that there is no god that 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 death is real that's what the fall from grace is then the ego invented judgment to try to stabilize, to try to trick the sleeping son of God into believing that that the separation had actually occurred, that the, the Lucifer rebellion was real. That The ego said, no, no yeah, the, Lucifer fell from grace and uh, now we've got to deal with it. We have to deal with the chaos. Well, here, I'll invent judgment. Here you go. That'll help stabilize things. You know, that'll bring a little bit of order into a completely wild, chaotic feeling state of mind. So, so the key is, is in seeing you can't be open-minded and judgmental. Now, judgment in world of time and space, among the humans, judgment has a connotation. And there are some among the humans that were, say, We're spiritually awake, or we're more awake. Like, they like to divide the human race up into the ones that are really lost, and the kind of lost, and then the kind of awake. You know, there's a lot of pride, actually, with saying, oh, I don't judge. Uh, That's the problem the world has. You know, it's, it's, uh, the world's racist, but I'm not. I'm a nice, holistic, beautiful human being and there's a lot of racist people out there. Oh no 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 that's not it at all. That's just more judgment. That's just more sleep. There really aren't levels of sleep. You're either awake in a state of consistent happiness and peace and joy or you're deluding yourself <laughs> in some way. It doesn't really matter. You know, in the the mind can say, "Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced," you know, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. Methinks thou protest too much. You know, there's a lot of of trying to say what I'm not. But, but really what Jesus is saying, oh no, you can't be open-minded and judgmental. And judgment is the condition of this world. There's another part in The Course in Miracles where Jesus says this world is an impossible situation. And some people say, well, you know, he's just... He must have had a bad day when he said that. No, no, he didn't. He was not having a bad hair day uh, when he said the world is an impossible situation. Uh, oh, he was right-minded. He, oh, he is right-minded. He's completely right-minded. And when he says the world's an impossible situation, he's just saying a world of separate outcomes, a world of conflict, a world of hypothetical coulda, woulda, shoulda's, a world of linear time he's saying the whole thing that's linear, he's saying that's an impossible situation. So now you know what you're dealing with, with your mind, with the split mind, because the split mind believes that the impossible has occurred already, and now it's trying to deal with an impossible situation. Talk about a a slippery slope. You know, I, I was listening to you last night and it was so, so good there was different ones that were talking about, you know, I don't I I I don't think I, I know what to do. I don't think I know. And and Greg was saying, great, great, we can we can close this out, we can end this with I don't know. That's actually a helpful step in spiritual awakening is throwing your hands up and saying, I don't know. I just I don't know. There's actually more accuracy and honesty in I don't know, then I know. Because there's no human being that knows. I'll tell you right now. There's that's that's an oxymoron. A human who knows. <laughs> a body that knows. No, no, no. That's not knowledge. That's not heaven. Humans don't know anything. But but just to even say that words, I know nothing, I, that sounds very Zen. I, I know nothing. I know nothing at all. I get. I start to laugh and giggle even when I. I start to entertain that idea. I, if I meditate on I know nothing, I. I you know I can start to get really happy, almost uncontainably joyful and happy, through the I don't know uh, approach. So if judgment is the problem and it blocks the open-mindedness, then. All of us are ready to jump down the rabbit hole, but we do have, as we're teetering on the edge of the rabbit hole, we do have one question for, for spirit, and that is, how do I stop? If, if Jesus said, judge not, and, and I've been asking the question and saying, if I'm asking how, how do I stop judging, how is judgment relinquished? How do I let go of judgment if that's blocking me from open-mindedness? And Jesus has a section in in the t- manual for teachers and they pose that question directly to Jesus. How is judgment relinquished? Yeah. Maybe we should uh, take a peek at that. Um, how is judgment relinquished? But maybe before we do, um, we should we should take a little glimpse at, at something from the text. And then we'll be ready to move to the big question for today, how is judgment relinquished? And then I might have a little time left to move into something that Ari wrote in. Ari, oh Ari, you wrote such a question. This isn't a new question for this group because you're asking about the script is written and even though you're brand new, you're asking a question that comes up a lot about the workbook, the script is written. Ego is so confounded by that line, the script is written. But actually, uh, and, and um, also, uh, I believe we were in Holland and that question was, was asked as well. Gertie. Gertie, I, I remember you in Holland, Gertie asked the same question that, that Aries asking about the script is written. Gertie was sitting right in the front, and, and Gertie was saying, I have some, I really want to explore this uh, script is written uh, thing. And uh, and we did. We, we took a little time to, to go at it. And I, I can tell by your question that you're writing in that you still don't have a clear understanding of, of that one. But Ari is saying, I want that answer too. So he's joining you, Gertie. Ari is like saying, let's, let's use that script is written question to kind of go down the rabbit hole. That's a great question actually to leap into the rabbit hole. So I think we'll do that too. I'm gonna to try to do that, Ari. I'm, I'm gonna to try to really go at your sincere question because you asked the question and then you answered it you answered it with simultaneity and then you said but that's not what i'm really exper- i'm not really experiencing the simultaneity so i'm back to it was like a cat chasing the tail was it you were like you stopped for a moment and you gave us those big blue cat eyes like i think maybe simultaneity is it and then you went back chasing the tail but hopefully we'll be- i'll be able to get to your uh, your question too. Maybe more tomorrow I, I will really dive into it, but but I'm going to try to lay the groundwork for the experience today, so we can all jump into the experience that you're asking for. So, I'm going to take a little adventure through A Course in Miracles to lay the found work, because it's, it's almost like we're all on the lip, we're, we're at the lip of the rabbit hole and we're right at the edge, and and then we look down into the rabbit hole and we can't—we—it's—we see some mist like Barbara sees, and then we see there's some kind of light, bright light, down at the bottom of that rabbit hole. It's so bright. And there's a lot of mist right before it, but there's nothing solid. And so it's like we're all, as a human being, we're just up at the edge of the rabbit hole, debating whether we jump or not. So I'm going to I'm going to actually take us on an adventure through a course in miracles, to hopefully increase your motivation to jump. That's all I can do, really. That's all a teacher can do. I, that's all a presence can do is is try to to encourage the motivation to leap, to take that leap of faith toward that light. And and if we can do that, that would we have a beautiful bird here too. Is just who is just chirping so loud, and he's so happy. That's the way it is down here in Mexico. The birds are into it. The bird is like saying, jump, 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 jump. He's chirping. He's not even letting me get into A Course in Miracles. He's just saying, chirp, 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 chirp. Like if you only knew what that light was, you would jump, you would jump lickety-split. You would not even hesitate. That bird is chirping so loud down here. he is like saying, please, 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 please jump. But let's, let's do a little uh, uh, preparation here. Okay, a lot of you know about the Course. First, I'm going I'm to just give you just a little context, because the light that we're talking about, that's down through the rabbit hole, that light is, is what Jesus calls revelation. And he does talk about it in the Course in Miracles. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. It's so fundamental to the context that I'm talking about that he brings it up in, in Chapter 1, Chapter 1, Section 2 of his Course in Miracles. If he's talking about that at the beginning of, of Chapter 1, you know it's foundational. If he's got 31 chapters and Jesus is delivering a course in miracles how to be motivated to take that leap of faith then he's put it right there in chapter 1 it says he says revelation, revelation induces complete but temporary suspension of doubt and fear it reflects the original form of communication between god and his creations involving the extremely personal sense of creation, sometimes sought in physical relationships. So he's talking about this personal sense of creation. We could call it this deep connectedness, this deep sense of love, this deep sense of intimacy, sometimes sought in physical relationships. Physical closeness cannot achieve it. Well, that's actually pretty good hearing that from Jesus. You know, if we're wanting peace of mind, we actually were saying basically to Jesus, give it to us straight. You know, give it to us straight. Don't, don't beat around the bush. You know, P- Please, I, I want to wake up and, and know true, true love. I mean, I've, I've dillied around here in time and space a bit, and, and, and I've tried, some of us have tried many attempts, <laughs> many attempts at this, and he's coming out with one sentence, and he's saying, physical closeness cannot achieve it. So the intimacy that's sought for, that really is a, a reverberation of, of divine love and divine connection, is, is sought for in the physical, but it cannot be achieved through physical closeness. I mean, even the coronavirus is, is, is helping us on that one, right? Physical closeness cannot achieve it. Oh my gosh, now we've got things on earth that we didn't have Four months ago, quarantine, safe distancing. You got to love the, the cosmic humor of this, you know. Jesus is telling us in the Course physical closeness cannot achieve it. And then, and the ego is complaining about quarantine now. It's complaining about social distancing. It's complaining, I, I can't hug my grandchildren. I can't, you know, the ego is all fired up around this uh social distancing, personal distancing. Wait, whoa, we're coming back to Jesus. Physical closeness cannot achieve it. Miracles. You see he never stops with that. He never just says you can't do this. He tells us what what can. Don't you love Jesus that he always gives what you can do. What you what can achieve it. Miracles, however, are genuinely interpersonal and result in True closeness to others. Woo. Now, aren't you curious about miracles? If, if that's the answer to social distancing, if that's the answer to the pandemic, if that's the answer to quarantine, or maybe if that's the answer to you feel separate from your spouse or your partner, or maybe you feel a little distant from your pet, or, or you feel distant from society, or you feel distant from anything, uh, from God anything miracles are however are genuine interpersonal and result in true closeness to others revelation the light unites you directly with god miracles unite you directly with your brother neither emanates from consciousness but both are experienced there so consciousness is like the 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 mechanism of mind, it's the domain of the ego, but it can receive messages from the spirit or from the ego. So it's like a, it's like a receptive, it's a, it's a receptive um, state of of mind that's still part of the sleeping states, but it can receive messages from Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or from the ego. Consciousness is also, he says, consciousness is the state that induces action. So. Some of you are writing in questions to me about your behaviors. Do I have to change my behaviors? Your behaviors, what seems to be the body's behaviors come are induced from consciousness, but the key question is what is going on? Which, who do I want to receive the messages from in consciousness? From above, from in spirit, inspiration, or from below, from the ego? That's the question. The question is not Should I do this or should I do that? Which most people are always saying, I I can't get the guidance. I I don't know what to do. Doing is not the problem. It's the thinking that's the problem. You know, it's the thinking. And the thinking is which thought system are you receiving your messages from? From the spirit, Holy Spirit and Jesus, or from the ego? From the intuition that's connected to spirit or from this, Death wish that, that literally wants you to stay asleep and, and believe in death, which God didn't create. So you basically, the real question should not be about your behaviors. The question is, is not actually what should I do, but it's like what is my inspiration? What is my joy? What is my happiness? What will give me freedom? What will bring me expansiveness? What will bring me connectedness? Those are all good questions, but those all relate to consciousness. Those are not relating to form and to behaviors. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit and Jesus can come through that filter of the ego, and you can get guidance of what to do or what not to do. So that's not excluded, but still the real question is, what is it that I'm praying for? What is it that I'm desiring? That's the key. That's the key. You are free to believe what you choose, and what you do attest to what you believe. So that's what I, I said earlier. You are fr- free to believe what you choose. And what you do, the behaviors, attest to what you believe. So now you can start to see the importance of teach what you would learn, because, because you're teaching by your thinking. And the real question is, is, am I trying to think with Source, with God, or against Source, against God, which would be ego thoughts. That's always the central issue. Am I wanting to be in alignment with my thinking, or in out of alignment with my thinking? And you have the power, and you, you can control the direction of your thinking. So, you may believe that you have no control over your mind, but you do. You can control the direction of your thinking. You can choose to think with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, or against. In that case, with the ego. You have that, always have that choice. While you believe you have choice at all. You, in reality, there's no choice. But we're not to that point yet. That's down at the bottom of the rabbit hole. When you get, when you dive in, you go down there to the light. You go, oh my God. OMG. <laughs> oh my God. Woo! <laughs> that, that's, now that's really happiness down there at the bottom. But we're still talking about we're on the lip. We're on the edge, the edge of the rabbit hole. So I'm trying to be as practical as I can right here. Revelation is intensely personal and cannot be meaningfully translated. That is why any attempt to describe it in words is impossible. Revelation induces only experience. Okay, revelation does not induce belief. Revelation induces only experience. We'll come back to that when we get to Ari's question and Gertie's question, and we get to to that maybe later or tomorrow, that revelation induces only experience. Because a lot of times people are saying, "I, I want more faith and about prayer and about miracles and about real world and happy dream and all these things. None of those things I just mentioned—miracles, forgiveness, happy dream—those um, uh, prayer in the purest form. I mean, when you make it, when you experience heaven, then you do experience what what the true prayer is. We we just did the song of prayer retreat. It's 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 not what you think it is. <laughs> In terms of this world, it's way beyond. And the Holy Spirit isn't even what you think the Holy Spirit is. When you get back to heaven, you'll, you'll recognize the Holy Spirit uh, as, as one with you, who you are. But in this world, it seems to take the form of a voice that helps guide you. It's the comforter, the guide in this realm. But revelation induces only experience. Miracles, on the other hand, induce action. They are more useful now because of their interpersonal nature. In this phase of learning, working miracles is important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. Revelation is literally unspeakable because it is an experience of unspeakable love. So last night when when Kenneth and Greg were talking, they were really pouring out their hearts. You could feel it. They were pouring out their hearts and just in remembering the miraculous experiences that they had, that kind of set them on the path from "my life is a mess" to "my my my life is a total mess" to "I am really getting happy and I want to talk about it." Uh, and they did. They did. They talked about it. That's all within the realm of miracles. That was all within the realm of the Holy Spirit coming through Kenneth and Greg and saying, be inspired because there is an answer and, and you can pray. You can pray. And you have a very powerful mind and you have, the power of prayer is extremely powerful and prayer is the medium of miracles and here I'm going to give you specific details of experiences I went through where I was like taken up by grace. Like Kenneth was going along, I'm a, I'm an interpersonal, I'm pretty interpersonal, pretty good guy. I messed up but still uh I'm you know, I've got an identity and it's not so bad but but it is messed up but you know, but it was still kind of rolling along and then through grace all of a sudden he's he's invited, you know, to go to this gathering and then he meets Jenny and oh come to a a silent 14-day silent retreat in Finland. And then, by grace, by grace, by grace. And same with Greg. You know, Greg's in Texas. He's not happy. Greg in Texas is not a happy camper. Uh, he's restless. And then, by grace, by grace, by grace, miracles happen, and, and somehow I am on the road to happiness. And I'm going to talk about it, too. He's like saying, I want to tell this. This is important for me to tell you. Uh, that it happened to me and it can happen to you. And Greg was even saying, Yeah, no matter where, you, what you think is going on, you know, I, I've been there. I've been there. I know how dark and messed up and difficult, you know. You've, you think J, Greg even said, You've got nothing on me. <laughs> like he was like, Said, Oh, you think you've had darkness? Oh, I've been there and I'll tell you. It's not pretty, but it's also, there's a way out from it. So this is all within the realm of, they are more useful now. Miracles are more useful now because of their interpersonal nature. In this phase of learning, working miracles is important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. So, the reason I I dipped into chapter one here is because it gives you a full context that if you're looking down that rabbit hole and, and there's a light down there that's so bright, and maybe you've even experienced some of this light in some of your meditations, and then, ooh, uh, there, some of you have written in about this, where you, you know, Barbara was sharing too, when she, when she first encountered the light, um, there, it was a bit of a reaction uh, to the light from the mind, because it's almost like the, the mind is so conditioned to punishment, and it is so it's so conditioned that a little bit of punishment can get associated with the light, just like with Jesus. You know, a lot of I know a lot of Catholics and a lot of Christians who they're not so you know as Barbara has said. You know, she didn't always have the best relationship with thinking about Jesus because there's some punishment uh, connotations. Or even if you don't have such a strong punishment connotation, there can be a sacrificial element of like, what do you want from me? What are you going to take from me? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I think, um, Kristen, Lorraine, you mentioned, I think in your uh, expression, you were saying like, God, like God uh, breaks up relationships. <laughs> you know, that's the association with God. Oh yeah, God. God's the one that breaks up relationships. Well, you you can see where you might be a little bit hesitant toward the light if that is your belief, that God breaks up relationships. Um, one time I remember in a movie, uh, I forget what the movie was, but some of you probably remember the line where, um, you know, God, God is the one when you pray for answers, God's the one that doesn't answer you. <laughs> you know, so there's some connotations with that light. That's why you haven't already jumped down the rabbit holes because there's connotations, there's associations, there's assumptions, there's affiliations in the mind that are like, oh, I'm not so sure. I'm just going to jump down the rabbit hole and go into this light because it looks a little misty down there. And oh yeah, it's bright. Okay, it's bright. All right, I see it's bright. But there's there's a hesitation. There's a hesitation, and that's why Jesus was was teaching us about the first two commandments because he was saying, "The water's warm, jump in." Uh, I did, and it was wonderful. It was it was beyond wonderful. It basically is what the teachings of Jesus are: that if you jump, if you have faith, if you have trust in the Spirit, you'll see that it's beyond. Wonderful. It's, it is beyond spectacular. And he also goes in this section, the last thing I'm going to mention about this section from chapter one, is the question of awe. A-W-E, awe. He says awe should be reserved for, for revelation. So awe should be reserved for the light, to which it is perfectly and correctly applicable. It, awe, is not appropriate for miracles because a state of awe is worshipful, implying that one of a lesser order stands before his creator. You are a perfect creation and you should experience awe only in the presence of the creator of perfection. The miracle miracle is therefore a sign of love among equals. Equals should not be in awe of one another because awe implies inequality. It is therefore an inappropriate reaction to me. So Jesus is saying that if you have awe, if you have a feeling of awe in relation to your relationship with Jesus, it's inappropriate. He's saying, don't do that. He's saying, I'm not the creator, I am am not the creator of reality, so don't treat me with a feeling of awe, because awe is completely reserved for the creator, for God. God is the creator of Christ, God is the creator of of everything. God doesn't have a beginning or an end, but if you're going to experience awe, it's only appropriate, it's only practical in relationship to God. And it's so spectacular that he's telling us that because he's calling himself like an elder brother and he's, again, he's not trying to tell us don't do this. Like He's not saying don't feel awe. He's just saying if you really want to go into the fullness of that awe, you really have to experience the light of of heaven, the light of God, the light of creation, then you'll you'll truly be hushed. You'll be in the hush of heaven. You will be like, Oh my God. Not some kind of a God that the ego invented, not some kind of anthropomorphic God who zaps tribes, you know, who plays favorites, or who in whatever, who somehow is separate from you, but I mean a light that is so awesome that you are just hushed uh, in the presence of it, and and yet Jesus never just is saying, "Don't do this." He's he always tells us uh, what is the correct, <laughs> what's the correct time, or what's the correct uh, presence in the presence of God's love. That's when you feel the awe. So he comes out and gives us the positive then. He said, um, an elder brother is entitled to respect for his greater experience and obedience for his greater wisdom. So Jesus is basically saying, yeah, you can respect me and you can be obedient to me. uh, But don't be in awe. (laughs) But then he's going to say, oh no, but that's for God. It's not a bad thing. Respect is good. Obedience is good to... To a wise being that can guide you and take you out of the fear state. or That can show you the way beyond fear, beyond guilt, beyond pain and shame, beyond doubt. That, That is wisdom, respect is good. He is also entitled to love. Jesus is also entitled to love. Because he is a brother and to devotion if he is devoted. It is only my devotion that entitles me to yours. You see how it's the equality again. I'm totally devoted to you. And that's why I'm entitled to your devotion is because Jesus is saying, I'm totally a hundred percent devoted to you. I know who you are. We we're the really the same self. We're the we're the same Christ self, and I am totally devoted to that, and that's why I'm entitled to your devotion and your respect and your obedience. Not out of some authority issue, but because I love you. It's based on love. It's not obedience or respect or devotion based on anything but pure divine love. It has a pure motive underneath it. Oh good, that that helps us out. And he goes on to say, he's not ever trying to put us down. He's always trying to lift us up. He goes on to say, there is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The difference between us now is that I have nothing else. So, really, Jesus is only... the Christ mind is only experiencing what comes from God. That's the revelation. That's the light. This leaves me in a state which is only potential in you. So, what does that mean? It means that that if we're sitting on the rabbit hole and we're looking down at the light, then potentially we are that light. But we do have to jump. (laughs) We do, (laughs) you still have to jump. You can't sit on the edge and go, Om, I am love and light. I still seem to have a body, but I am love and light. You know, you can't can't just affirm your way from the edge of the rabbit hole. Uh, You actually have to jump. That's where the faith comes in. Somebody wrote to me, wow, I think SEMA wrote, you know, it really seems to take trust, Sima wrote, to go into open-mindedness. Because there's such resistance to this light, there's such resistance to the open-mindedness, that it seems to take a lot of trust. And Seema knows, you know, you, you, with trust around your son, your son's getting ready to, to possibly go off to university. To really trust that that the light has your son, Means that you would have to let go of the mom role because the mom, the mom, mom has been, <laughs> you know, God can take it so far, but mom is really watching out for that son and and that university education and all those things. Although right now you're, that mom is going, that concept is going through a dismantling with with Maggie, Mary Magdalene is <laughs> coming in there pretty strong to loosen the the identification with mom and but you. It was very wise when you said, it does take a lot of trust to be open-minded because there seems to be a relinquishment of judgment, which seems to be relinquishment of the past and past roles and past learning and, you know, even all the learning it took to become a doctor, a medical doctor. There's a lot of... It takes a lot of trust to let go of all the learning of the past and jump into the rabbit hole. But... Maggie is is like in the rabbit hole <laughs> see ma, <laughs> I told you it 's nice down here. I told you i I was there before I know that whole thing i 've done the the daughter role i know i know i 've done these things. you can trust, come and jump, and that 's basically why we're here we 're saying we 're just praying for miracles every day because the the prayer for miracles is is starting to really build our confidence that there's something beyond this world, that there's something beyond the images. That's actually why what Kenneth and Greg talked about last night is important. You know, they, you know, Greg talked about he'd done painting, building a house, many, many, many skills. Kenneth has been a psychotherapist among many other things and he, he's, talking about happiness that's coming from just giving himself the allowance and the permission to go for the light. So that's the only purpose of miracles, is they're just preparing your mind. They're very involuntary. You could tell from both the stories that Kenneth and Greg talked about, like things just happening so synchronistic, like it was a fairy tale, like it was destined, like it was given. You know, that's why they were sharing their miracles is because they let go of trying to control their personal timeline uh, life and they started to experience miracles. And why, why are the miracles as important is because the miracles are, are showing you, wow, you can go for the light. You can go. If you go into a state of non-judgment, you are perfectly taken care of. The ego would say, oh no, no, no. If you if you go into a state of non-judgment, you are a vegetable, you are you are vulnerable, you are gullible, uh, you are in for a big shock. The world's gonna eat you up and chew you out and spit you out. Uh if you give up judgment, uh you're you are in bad shape, the ego is saying, because who's going to take care of you? He, you know, like I'm your friend, like in the, you know, the, the movie, The Elevator Scene, you know, the, it's like some of you have seen the movie where the ego is always like saying, I'm your friend. I'm your friend, the ego says, not the light. I've taken care of you, like in Truman Show. I watched you since you were born as a body I nurtured you along I've been I've been your your mighty companion the ego says I've been with you since you were born I've been with you in the womb I was there with you as an embryo body and I've been with you a lot longer than the light I've been with you through your whole experience on time and space and so it tries to convince you that somehow, that the ego is your friend. It tries to convince you, it's a death wish, but it's trying to convince the mind that it's not all that bad. It's, a, it's kind of like Casper the friendly ghost. You know, it's, it's like the ego, the, the friendly death wish. Wait a minute, I'm not interested in a friendly death wish. I'm not interested in friendly hell. I'm not interested in friendly separation. I'm interested in eternity, in eternal life, in knowing myself as God created me. Never the twain shall meet. You you receive messages in consciousness from above, from the spirit, or below, from the ego. And don't think that the ego can play God, because the ego is a death wish. You know, this is where you really have to see in your mind, how do I feel uh, if I'm not feeling peaceful and light and joyful and loving, then there must be some kind of something else I believe in. And I must have followed that other thing, that other voice. Because I wouldn't experience conflict if I was just totally... Allowing the Holy Spirit to just fill my mind with light, which is really what's down the rabbit hole. So, No man cometh to the Father, but by me, there's a Bible quote, does not mean that I am in any way separate or different from you except in time, and time does not really exist. The statement is more meaningful in terms of a vertical rather than horizontal axis. You stand below me and I stand below God. In the process of rising up, in quotes, I am higher because without me the distance between God and man would be too great for you to encompass. I bridge the distance as an elder brother to you on the one hand and as a son of God on the other. My devotion to my brothers has placed me in charge of the sonship, which I render complete because I share it. This may appear to contradict the statement, I and my Father are one. But there are two parts to the statement in recognition that the Father is greater. So, what that is really basically saying, he's referring to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, is basically saying that Christ is a pure creation The Holy Spirit is the remembrance of that pure creation. That's why the Holy Spirit is the memory of God in the sleeping mind. The Holy Spirit remembers the truth. That's why we follow the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows the truth. There's no human being that knows the truth, because that's a contradiction in term. Human, body, truth. No, truth is eternal. Bodies are not eternal. Humans are not eternal. You can't bring... Uh, you can 't believe in both you know you can you can try to, but actually that 's a split mind, and the split mind is destined to release the belief in separation and remember the truth and When Jesus said, "I and the Father are one seems to have two parts you know he does He does give us a workbook lesson where he says, "I choose the second place to gain the first in other words, if you 're humble enough to accept yourself as God created you, you then know the light. You know the light of heaven. You know the light of who you are. That's the very simple directive of why judge not. Because if you persist in holding on to judgment, which always comes from the ego, then you will not know. I'm talking specific judgments. Then you will not know yourself as God created you. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, then judgment through you, but not of your personality, judgment through you, judgment for you, uh, can come, but not judgment by you as a person. That's the ego. The ego is, is all judgment that seems to be personal. The Holy Spirit coming through you is what we call guidance. That's why in our community, guidance is, the most important thing, because that's that's the allowing judgment through you to occur. Letting the Holy Spirit unwind your mind from the belief that you're separate. Unwind your mind from the ego. That's all guidance. That's all extremely important. And that still is judgment, but it's judgment by the Holy Spirit. The one who knows the way out. The one who, who who's calling you down that rabbit hole and and saying, Come, join, merge with me. And let your mind, as the Bible says, be be the one with the mind of Christ, which is your true reality. So I gave you that whole setup from chapter number one just to give you a context, like to maybe to draw you a little closer to the rabbit hole. Maybe you were fortified <laughs> and you're like, I know there's a rabbit hole. I've heard about it in... Lewis Carroll's book, you know, and I, and I know in The Matrix, uh, Morpheus mentioned that to Neo, you know, come and, and you got a choice between the red pill and the blue pill, and, uh, you know, the blue pill, you, if you take it, you're just going to sleep and wake up and believe whatever you believe. If you take the red pill, you come down the rabbit hole and I show you how deep it goes, that this world's a construct, that it's not who you really are, that you need to wake up. You know, all that's part of the red pill. All that's part of right-mindedness. And I just gave you this little synopsis from Chapter 1 just to bring you a little closer to the rabbit hole. That's all that's all that's for. It's a little context to say, it's okay, you know, just come a little closer. It's It's all right. Now, when we talked about Judgment being the only block to open-mindedness, then I mentioned this section from the Manual for Teachers called Number 10, How is Judgment Relinquished? So I would like to jump into that because that was our big question, right? If, if we're going to even get to the edge of the rabbit hole and really jump, we really have one remaining question is, how is judgment relinquished? Because if that's our only block, then that means we don't really have financial blocks. We don't really have body symptom blocks. It means we really don't have environmental blocks. It means we really don't have issues, relationship, interpersonal relationship blocks keeping us from the rabbit hole. It means we don't have specific condition blocks. We can't keep using the justification like, well, I I would go to God But, you know, I would go, wow, that Kenneth looked really happy last night, you know, but he's in a spiritual community. Yep, he's not struggling with paying the bills. You know, of course Kenneth is happy. Yeah, he, he had all those miracle experiences and he went on retreats and he got happier and happier and of course he looks happy now. He's got his own show on YouTube and... He's got not a care of the world. You know, he's he's surrounded by people. He's, he's living in a house called Quantico. For Christ's sake, if I was living in a house called Quantico, and I had no concerns uh, about time and space, then maybe I could go for the light. You see how the mind works? You know, it's, it's, it's got justifications. Basically, When we were talking about that section about open-mindedness, it was beautiful because um, basically Jesus was saying that that you have to let go of, you have to abandon the world. I think that's exactly how Jesus put it. Let's find the exact way that... Yeah, here it is. How do the open-minded forgive? Now we're on that question. We've already dealt with the beginning part of the question of open-mindedness and judgment don't go together. So now, if the only way to let go of judgment is through forgiveness, that's our question. In fact, I know your mind is right on the edge of that rabbit hole, and you're going, oh, I'll jump, but just tell me one thing first, before I, I jump. Jesus, please, you know, you said judge not, can I ask maybe one question? How do I forgive... How do the open-minded forgive? And it's right here, in the open-mindedness section of the Manual for Teachers. It says, they have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. That sounds familiar, that's what the whole talk was last night about, letting go of the obstacles in the mind, okay, that sounds good. They have in truth abandoned the world. That's some strong words. They have in truth abandoned the world. So here you are at the edge of the rabbit hole and you're just saying to Jesus, just tell me how I forgive. And he says, yeah, they have abandoned the world. And let it be restored to them in newness and in joy, so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. So now we're starting to really get to, to understand what Jesus means by they have abandoned the world. Because as long as we're still thinking in terms of specifics, there's going to still be sacrifice, right? I'll, I'll come to I'll come down there with you, Jesus in the light, but abandon the world, would you would you tell me a little bit more? But as long as I'm still thinking in terms of specifics, I'm thinking, abandon my partner, abandon my lover? Ab- abandoned my hot fried sundae, my chocolate chip cookies, my halados. Are you telling me, Jesus, that I have to let go of halados, ice cream, to come down to see that light, you know? Chocolate! You see how the mind, it starts to go like this a little bit. Because because the mind has so associated good things of course this is a world of duality, good things and bad things, but it's like, okay, I like that. Can I just chop off all the negative things? Just chop off all the negative things and keep all the positive things. What do you think the law of attractions about? <laughs> the ego's right at the edge of the rabbit hole going law of attraction. Don't don't let go of me so quick. I've got the law of attraction operating. You can manifest all the good things that you want. Don't go near that rabbit hole, but you can manage. you see. The ego is quite sophisticated. That's why it's quite ingenious. It's a it's a quite an ingenious puff of nothingness. It's it's quite an ingenious death wish. You have to admit, it's it's for a death wish, it's quite ingenious. It's sneaky. It's it doesn't want you to remember eternal life. So you get closer and closer to that. I see Barbara nodding because as Barbara got closer to the rabbit hole, it's like saying, wait about, what about white eagle? What about, you know, it's, there's all these great symbols, you know, that that were very part of the awakening journey and and the egos like, don't forget that, you know, don't forget that, don't forget this one, don't forget this one. And then the spirits just say, no, keep coming, just come toward the light. Just don't be distracted. That's distractionville over there, you gotta remember. The cosmos, David calls distractionville. You know, that's my word for, for the cosmos. Wait a minute, you mean all those past life regressions? Yeah, it's all distractionville. All those realms and different realms, and I've heard, David, that I can have an ethereal body and what I want is I want a soulmate who has an ethereal body and let us be far, far away from earth. <laughs> we don't want to go near that planet. Let us, some realm where we're both, it's the meeting of the ethereal bodies of the feminine and the masculine. And it's, it, Jesus is like, please, I've told you, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. What part of nothing unreal exists don't you understand? And the mind 's gone again, you know it's like but i i 've heard in this dimension I can astral project, and I have like you know like some of these afterlife shows on cable now, you know where you can eat as much food as you want without getting fat, and you can have anything you want in the afterlife you know just there's some conditions you know some of the new shows upload some of you might have seen is is on uh, uh, Amazon Prime and and different ones, you know. Uh, Ted Danson, I think, is in one too. There's there's different ones now, but you see, the ego will even try to use the old afterlife. Uh, it's better in the afterlife, and you can you have more freedom and more choice in the afterlife. You know, tricks, 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 tricks. Because why It's because what he's telling us is that. He's talking about the ones who are open-minded. They have in truth abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could have never conceived of such a change. What could that newness and joy be except non-judgment? Why would we think we could have better preferences when the ego invented judgment and preferences in the first place? Why would we think that somewhere in time and space we could find a better experience. When what we're learning that revelation, the light, can only be experienced. You can believe in many different aspects and dimensions of time and space. Jesus already told us that. He said you're free to believe what you want. You're free to believe in different realms. You're free to believe in... in multiple realms. You're free free to believe. It's not saying that we're going to be happy, but he says you are free to believe. In other words, you're free to try out these different beliefs, but forgiveness, your function of forgiveness will make you happy. So he's making a distinction between free to believe and, and happy. So it goes on to say, Nothing is now as it was formerly. He's talking about open-mindedness. Nothing but sparkles now, which seemed so dull and lifeless before. And above all all, are all things welcoming, for threat is gone. No clouds remain to hide the face of Christ. So that's really starting, foreshadowing the answer to Barbara's question about the mist you know, there can be some beautiful mist, mist are great, but then there's this glowing light. And what about the light? All things are welcoming. That's right. All things are welcoming. That's, you would not judge anything in this world of time and space as unwelcoming. All things are welcoming from this light. And now you start to get a glimpse of some of the things that I talk about on the videos and the audios. You know, a lot of times people get into spirituality and religion, they start to make a big deal of things. Like one of the things that I find on planet earth that that seems to be the strangest big deal, for example, is talking about a person. Do they believe in God or not? I don't care. I don't care. Belief in God is unnecessary, for God can be but known. Uh, God is a reality, God is a a reality of love and oneness that is entirely beyond all beliefs of time and space. So, in other words, even to say that belief in God is better than non-belief, it's like, does that get you down the rabbit hole? to the light. Um, if you have, let's say you have two that are sitting up on the edge of the rabbit hole, and one says, I'm a believer. I believe in God. I believe in God. And maybe they it, they use some theology to reinforce, you know, I, I studied this in the Bible, or in, in the Quran. I studied this in the Bhagavad Gita, or in the Vedas, or uh, ancient Chinese scriptures or whatever. Maybe they, if they're in the Orient, maybe they're less like, likely to use a deity word like God, but they may use absolute or absolute truth, or they may just use the word truth or whatever. But let's say we have a believer who believes in God or love or light or truth or whatever, and then next to them we have an atheist. Okay? Okay. When you're open-minded, you don't see a difference there. I don't see a difference. I don't see a difference between an atheist and a believer. Actually, I'm here for connection. I'm here for joy. I'm here to share love and laughter. I'm here to rejoice together. I don't see a difference between the atheist and the believer. I, I I will not draw that line between an atheist and a believer, because why? Because that's still up on the surface, and that's still a judgment that's still a judgment and And so you can see now when there's all this talk about about prejudice and racial prejudice, and it's kind of funny to me to watch it's like to watch people argue where one person says black life matters and somebody else says all lives matter i don't i don't see a difference there i don't see a difference the, you know the whole point of forgiveness is to start to see the sameness beyond the images what is the sameness beyond images but the light that's the light of christ that's that's our only function is is with the course, is to see the light instead of the body. And we don't have to take the light, which is just pure love, and we would not even think of slicing that up and dividing the light up, but the ego, that's exactly what the ego is, to to basically say there is no light, it's saying, it's projected a world of seeming differences, shapes and sizes, colors, textures, uh, it's projected a whole world of differences as if there's a reality to the differences. And Jesus says in the Course, make this year different by making it all the same. Really when he says that, all he's talking about is focus on the light. See, the, see your brother and sister as the light. See them as they really are, because that's how they really are. I've had people come to me and they say, "David, you have to be practical." I say, "Yeah, I, I know. I love practicality. I I adore practicality." And they say, "Ah, you you for someone who adores practicality, you look like you're in a major state of denial." And I said, "What do you mean denial?" And they they said, "You are in denial of what's happening." And and I. I said, well, I remember Jesus taught me in, I think it was the workbook uh, of A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, this world must be denied for it is costing you your awareness of the truth. Now that's some right thinking. You see how if this world is an impossible situation, Jesus is saying, would you have faith with me to join with me to see the light? Because you are the Christ you have the light of Christ within you, and if you have the light of Christ within you, you can see this in your brothers and sisters. Don't let the ego try to trick you and tell you that's impossible, because actually it's the only thing possible is to see with light. When you read those workbook lessons, I am determined to see. Some of you remember that one from the workbook, or above all else, I am determined to see things differently. What do you think that see is that he's talking about? That's the light of Christ. That's the vision of Christ. He is beckoning you to see with the vision of Christ. He is beckoning you not to find your third eye. No, Jesus doesn't want you to find your third eye. He says, let thine eye be single. He's saying, find your spiritual eye. What is your spiritual eye? the vision of christ it's so simple it it's not related to the body it's not related to the chakras it's not related to anything that has multiplicity with it it's like you know we're just starting to get honest here he he's like he's like saying to me you know he's saying to me david david What part of let thine eye be single, don't you understand? Oh, but the chakra, what part of let thine eye be single, don't you understand? But there's seven chakras. What part of let thine eye be single? Be single, single. Don't you understand the word single? What does single mean? And why would you be embarrassed about me, the Christ, if you think that everything and everyone isn't the Christ? That's where your embarrassment comes in, is if you have to pick and choose. Well, let's see, I'm going to make up my altar here. I'm going to put my saints. You know, Jesus is like, David, are you? It's like you're collecting baseball cards. You know, here's my altar, and Babe Ruth, and Ty Cobb, and Pete Rose, and here's my, I'm going to put my altars. You, know, you do this with your spirituality. You make your altar. Okay, here's Amma, and here's Jesus, and Ramana Maharshi, and Muji. It's like you're collecting bubblegum cards, you know, and you're putting all these images on there, and you feel bad because you leave some people out. They're all there. They're all there, but but you only will know that they're all there when you see past the bodies to the vision of Christ. There's only one of us, is basically, Jesus is saying, there's there's only one of us. There's always only been one of us. And you, you can use whatever name you want to call that one. You can call it Atman, you can call it soul, you can call it Christ, you can call it Buddha, you can call it any name that you want. but you can call it God. In fact, he does that in the in the workbook of A Course in Miracles. Some of you remember those lessons like 183, 184. He's basically saying the name of God you can use as a safe replacement for all the little names that the ego made up. He's not saying there's anything special about the word God, but he's saying let's practice. You can use light if you want. You don't have to use God, but you can Just practice opening your mind to singularity, to starting to realize that oneness is real and duality and multiplicity are make-believe, they're inventions. Just open your mind to the idea of light and focus on the light. Do not keep coming back with what should I do that will come through guidance the holy spirit will guide you if there's anything for you to say or do you'll get you'll get download after download after download and you can ask people in our community they tune in and they pray and they listen and they get signs and symbols and they get intimations and little prompts and little nudges you know a guided life yeah a prayerful guided life that's That's what takes you back down that rabbit hole, a guided life. Is it practical? Yes. Do you still seem to have practical details that you still believe in to deal with? As long as you have not let thine eye be single, then that will be practical guidance taking you toward that rabbit hole. Taking you closer and closer. And... And last night was so beautiful, you went for your walk. Boom! Whoa! There we go. You know, it's expansive. And then you, were t- you came back and you were like, wow! Wow, 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 wow. You know, that was, that was just a glimpse calling you to that rabbit hole. It was like saying, ah, you see how effortless, how easy how vast, how expansive it is. It was just, to the world, it looked like a walk. Didn't even have your makeup on, and you didn't even need the makeup because, wow! You know, that, the point, the whole point was the experience. So that's a miracle. That was a miracle. You you, You were describing a miracle, and even a bit beyond trying with your words, but it's hard with words because... The words can only work with the miracle level, and then once we go beyond the miracle level, we go towards revelation, then words fail. You know, it, it can't be described. It's it's impossible to describe beyond that. So I'm going to take us right to the edge of the rabbit hole here with how is judgment relinquished. Because what he's going to tell us is you, the your problem is you've been thinking, how am I going to stop this bad habit? But that's not the question. Because if you think, you ha- how should I stop it? Then that means you already believe in it. You have to believe it's real before you can ask how to stop it. You see that? You can't heal what isn't real. But, but you, if you ask, how do I stop it? then you already have presumed that you, you've done it. You see? And that's not going to get you down the rabbit hole. That, that, that's like saying, how do I forgive what I've done wrong? <laughs> or how do I stop this terrible habit of judgment that I've had? And Jesus is like saying, uh-huh, before you do that, before you ask that question is, why don't you come in with me and look at the idea that you never have judged. You have never been capable of it. You have never once actually judged. Why don't you join with me in that idea instead of this crazy idea, this time-space idea of how do I stop judging? So this is important. This is why we're going down the rabbit hole with this one. How is judgment relinquished? Judgment, like other devices by which the world of illusions is maintained, is totally misunderstood by the world. It is actually confused with wisdom and substitutes for truth. As the world uses the term, an individual is capable of good judgment and bad judgment, and his education aims at strengthening the former and minimizing the latter there is however considerable confusion about what these categories mean what is good judgment to one is bad judgment to another further even the same person classifies the same action as showing good judgment at one time and bad judgment at another time. So, he's saying you're not going to get any universal agreement from the humans. If you pull the humans, if you spent years, and there are people like Joseph Campbell who actually studied mythology, who actually studied all the cultures of this world, you're never going to find any universal agreement. You know, you may say, thou shalt not kill and then, um, you know, okay, Europe, okay, what Europeans, do you agree? Thou shalt not kill, okay, Americans, you agree? South America, this and this. Then you go and you find a tribe in Africa, and they call themselves cannibals. And you bring in your thou shalt not kill idea, and they go, what? What? What do you mean? our Our tribe says, "Thou shalt eat, and you've got your Thou shalt not kill thing coming in here, and uh we're not uh, on we're not jiving here we're not mixing or some of you may say, well, that's kind of an extreme rare example, David you know that's a very, very rare example. Can you give me another example about like for one person like what about a person? What if I meet a person who says Thou shalt not kill. And, and they really mean it. And are you a vegan? Yes, I am. I'm not going to kill an animal? No. I'm a vegan. I, I'm not going to kill a person? No. Would you kill a mosquito? No. I'm not. What if you're walking along a path and you, you step on a. No, we'll, I'll send people ahead with brooms to make sure that I don't step on an ant. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill. I am a person who, who says, no, no, I'm a person who I will not kill. Killing is wrong, i don't kill. Okay, what if somebody comes in and breaks into your bedroom at night and grabs your wife and puts a knife to her neck? Oh, well, that's an exception. What do you mean? Oh, that's an exception. So you're telling me that you would, you would kill in that case. I would try not to, but if need be for self-defense, I would kill. Oh, so now the person who is like, won't kill a mosquito, but in this particular situation, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't have a gun or a knife or anything, but I know karate and <laughs> my wife is, is not going down on that night. <laughs> the, the, this person picked the wrong bedroom to come into, and now this pacifist is like, yeah, yeah, ha, ha. You know, it's like Jesus is pointing out to us here that he's saying right out, he said, what is good judgment to one is bad judgment to another. Further, even the same person classifies the same action as showing good judgment at one time like not killing, and bad judgment in another. Oh no, yeah, there's certain times, the person may say, where you can kill. There are certain exceptions. It's the same with abortion, no, 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 no to abortion, except in, you know, except in certain cases. You see, this world is nothing more than an impossible situation of projection of the ego. It's, it's a, you can't win. And Jesus is telling us that there's no solution on the battleground. You won't find the solution on the screen of the world. You can't, don't touch your dial. Don't touch your dial in your mind. Don't try to change the world. Seek rather to change your mind about the world by forgiving the world. He's like saying, jump down that rabbit hole with me because your attempts at, working this out in time and space are not working. He's saying, perhaps you've noticed that you're not finding peace of mind through your picking and choosing among your selective perception of trying to escape time and space. Your decision making is not working because it's based on the past. And he says, I've got a thing called the light and the holy instant. Now that'll do it. That's the correction. The light will work. In fact, he says, I'm sure of it. I know it. I, I'm, not, I'm not given a theory here. I, I'm giving you an actual experience of having come through the illusion of time and space and now I'm giving you the holy instant as an actual correction to your belief in separation. So, he's saying, nor can any consistent criteria for determining what these categories are re- be really taught. At any time, the student may disagree with what his would-be teacher says about them. And the teacher himself may well be inconsistent in what he believes. Good judgment in these terms does not mean anything. No more does bad. So what Jesus is basically saying is, in order to get us closer to the rabbit hole, he's saying, can you... Join with me in this idea of non-duality. That can you join with me in mind? Can you join with me in coming back to the mind? This world was made to keep you mindless. And even the Buddhists tell you you have to go through mindfulness. You know, it's the same message. You have to come, you have to be very attentive to your mind. You have to be very tuned into your mind. You have to be totally willing to come back and see that there's nothing outside your mind, and that the belief that there was something outside, which is called projection, trying to get rid of something you don't want in an egoic way, that's where your problem's coming in. It's a perceptual problem. Right when I said it's a perceptual problem, it was 11-11. The clock is telling me I have 11 minutes and 11 seconds to finish, and boom, I said, it's a perceptual problem. That's good. That's your 1111 warning. <laughs> you know, that's your that's your like beautiful come toward the rabbit hole is safe and that's it and time is running out on the clock. But we don't believe in time. I may go longer today uh because this is an important message and it's like Mel Brooks, you know, uh movie uh, where Moses is delivering the Ten Commandments, and he has them on two stone tablets, and he gets up to the mount to deliver the Ten Commandments, but actually it's two tablets, it's twenty commandments, and he says, I give you, and he drops a, a whole stone, and it cracks into a thousand pieces, and Mel Brooks, Moses goes, I give you ten, Ten. <laughs> He's just dropped, he just dropped 20 commandments from, from God, and then comes, improvises, says, I give ten. Ten commandments. Oh, you gotta love Mel Brooks' humor, you know, now that is really undoing Judaism guilt. <laughs> That's gotta be one of the best undoing guilt moments. He drops tw- ten commandments from God and gives the other ten. So, here we go. It is necessary for the teacher of God to realize not that he should not judge, but that he cannot. In giving up judgment, he is merely giving up what he did not have. He gives up an illusion, or, Jesus' humor, or better, he has an illusion of giving up. That's what time and space is under the Holy Spirit's direction. It's an illusion of giving up. It's the belief in your mind that you have are having to let go of something that you really had, but that you never had. You never had anything of time and space, because why? Because God didn't create it. It's not eternal. You never had judgment. Why? Because it's a device that the ego invented and God didn't create judgment, so you never could have had it in the first place. So therefore, even the belief that you have to give it up is an illusion. It's the illusion of giving up. How about that? Do I hear an amen from the choir with that one? We are getting closer to the rabbit hole because if we don't have to hold on to these shoulds and ought and we can actually see... That we're just releasing something that we never had in the first place. How hard can that be? To give up something that you never were guilty of, that you never had in the first place. Now Jesus is giving us the keys to the kingdom. He's he's really saying, come closer to the rabbit hole, because what you're afraid to lose, you don't really have it in the first place. You know, It's just the ego telling you, ooh, you're going to... You're going to be sorry, you're going to be sorry if you go towards that light. You're going to really wish you had listened to what I said. Because the ego is saying, don't jump, don't have faith, don't have trust, don't go to the light. And the spirit's like saying, come. He actually merely, he has actually merely become more honest. Recognizing that judgment was always impossible for him, he no longer attempts it. This is no sacrifice. On the contrary, he puts himself in a position where judgment through him, rather than by him, can occur. And this judgment is neither good nor bad. It is the only judgment there is, and it is only one. God's Son is guiltless and sin does not exist. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of Christ. God's Son is guiltless and sin does not exist. In fact, Krista, you wrote in, you were saying, I want to know an innocence. That was your prayer. That's an answer right there to your prayer because Krista was saying, I want to know an innocence that doesn't have an opposite. I want to know an innocent that has no opposite." And you said, the only thing I really think of is like the prayer for thankfulness. But then you said, when I think of thankfulness, there's still a heavy feeling. So there, it's good. Because now Jesus is showing us how deeply rooted that belief in sacrifice is. Because thankfulness, the reason it's heavy for you is because it has some good connotations and some bad connotations. As if sometimes it's good to be thankful, and other times it's inappropriate the ego would say oh, thankful what the hell you know the ego is like i can come up with lots of things not to be thankful for you see it's it's part of its dualistic system so what i'm reading here is is that judge the judgment of the holy spirit which i call guidance is neither good or bad you know Don't you like it when when you feel something really strong in your heart and you feel you're sure that you're guided to do it? And then you share it with somebody and they go, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Sounds like bad guidance to me. (laughs) There you go. And then you go, you share it with somebody else and you call them up and, and you share the same thing. And they go, oh, that's good. That's good guidance. You see, whoa, 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 the guidance of the Holy Spirit is for the whole universe. You're making a decision based on your guidance that will bless the entire universe, and that's why it's neither good or bad. Oh, it's, it's spectacular is what it is. It inspires more joy. It's, it inspires a, a blessing, not a judgment at all. You're just extending a blessing to the whole universe through that guidance. So just remember that the next time somebody tries to evaluate your judgment. Or even if you start to evaluate your judgment. You know, sometimes I know Christians always say to me, WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? I'm I'm kind of into WWJT, what would Jesus think? (laughs) I'm, I'm not interested in Jesus, what he would do, because because to me Jesus is a living presence right now. He's He's with me now. He's merged with me. He's He's inspiring me. I don't need a body with long hair or wearing some sandals to to uh, to do to extend. The, you know, He said, "Greater miracles than I will you do." I'm all fired up about those greater miracles, and with the presence of Christ inspiring me, not thinking with. WWJD. Now, I did that for years, you know, because when I had a decision, I would say, would Jesus do that? And, you know, that was helpful for a while. But then, the more I got into the course, it was, what would Jesus think? You know, I'm concerned about something, what would Jesus think? I don't think he's really going to be so, he's not going to be concerned (laughs) with, with whatever... With whatever deliberation the ego is going on. I, no, I don't think Jesus is, is thinking uh, there's a, a need for concern or fear because Jesus knows the ego is not real. Jesus has transcended. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, is what he told us in the Bible. He's not concerned about outcomes, he's concerned about happiness. And concerned isn't even a good word. He's, he's happy. <laughs> it's not even a he. Christ doesn't really have a body, so I can't say that Christ is a male or a female or masculine or feminine. If you really want to make Christ laugh, can spirit laugh? I think I think you could still laugh. Uh, but you're, if you want to, just try throwing the gender pronouns at, at Christ, and that's ha ha ha. The angels like that too, ha 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 ha. Oh, the human with their gender stuff, ha 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 ha. You know it's the the angels are very open-minded too you know they they really don't get it. they think the human condition is like a joke, uh, but they do know that they're being used by the Holy Spirit for helpfulness so so the joke I started a joke that started the whole world crying, but I couldn't see. That the joke was on me, yeah. Oh, the Bee Gees, go, Maurice, sing it, Maurice. That's the ego. I started a joke, and started the whole world crying. That song, there it is, you know. And then Jesus has a different view of joke, where Jesus says in the course, he uses the word joke in the course. Some of you haven't seen it; it's in there. Jesus says it is a joke to think. That time can come to circumvent eternity. That's what really is the joke. The belief that you could put time over the top of eternity and believe that it's real. Or as uh, Joel Goldsmith said, you know, it's like this world is like a parenthesis in eternity. You can't put parentheses on eternity, you can't put parameters on forever. Forever is forever. Eternal is eternal. There's no beginning or end to it. So that's that's good. Now, at 11.59, do I finally shift to the workbook? (laughs) I better take a sip of tea here too. Because now we're going to crank it up. Now... Don't even ask me what movie we could follow this up with. But now, at 12 o'clock noon, uh, I turn to today's lesson, lesson 158 from the workbook. Today I learn to give as I receive. And I, this is where today's session, this, this lesson is as far as I'm going to take you today. Because this is where we're getting into Aries question and, and Gertie and many people have been asking me this script is written question. You know, what does it mean, David? The script is why does he say that? The script is written and Ari, oh, thank you, Ari. You really teased it out. You mean you really got at the core of the whole question. You know, that's you really that's what your prayer was. It was was I really I I sense the power of this moment. I sense the escape hatch is right now. I sense that that there's something for me, if I can just begin to grasp or get the slightest inkling in what this means, that it can save me thousands of years, thousands of years of seeming time. And so it's a beautiful question, it was a great prayer that you offered up. And so, when I read your question and I looked at the lesson of the day, I went, wow, Jesus is answering Harry's question right on the very day that we're bringing it up on this online retreat. So I might just just take a, a sneak peek for tomorrow, because this is something that Francis and I will look at. But, but basically, Harry started off by asking about the present moment, about waking up. He's getting woken up in his dreams by this powerful uh, message of wake up right now. Wake up right now. Okay, then he goes into the idea about the script is written. Is it charted in time at all? Is there a specific time on my journey where I will wake up? or is it possible anytime, anywhere, indiscriminately? And then he talked about my my neo-Morpheus spaghetti analogy. Some of you have seen that, um, the spaghetti analogy, and the timeline, and that now is the point. And then he went all the way to it being simultaneous, and then that led him back to now. And then he did mention that basically... The idea of simultaneous time, it seems to provide the answer, but it doesn't completely relate to his experiences uh, of being airy and being in this world. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's a, so, it really, I think what Airy is saying, like, can we explore the simultaneity a little bit more? Because there's something to it, but it doesn't relate to my experiences on planet Earth um, very well at all. You know, it's, maybe it's, great for mystical experiences, but in, in terms of daily life uh, as a human being, it's, it's not as relative or relevant as, as it, maybe it could be. So here we go. Today I learned to give as I receive. This is from Jesus. What has been given you? The knowledge that you are a mind, in mind, capital mind and purely mind, sinless forever, wholly unafraid, because you were created out of love. Nor have you left your source, remaining as you were created. This was given you as knowledge which you cannot lose. It was given as well to every living thing, for by that knowledge only does it live. So again when Jesus says that this knowledge, this sense that you're purely in mind, that you're sinless forever, that you have no fear, that you're created out of love, that you have never left your source, all that, if we call that knowledge or the, the great light, the great wisdom, all of that was given to every living thing. He's not talking about plants and animals and humans, he's not talking about the birds and the bees here, when he says every living thing, he's talking about eternity. That's what life is. Life isn't time bound. Life isn't determined by time and space. Time and space are the veil that cover over eternal life. So when he says this was given you as knowledge which you cannot lose, it was given as well to every living thing. He's not talking about form. He's talking about divine creation. You have received all this. No one who walks the world but has received it. It is not this knowledge which you give, for that is what creation gave. All this cannot be learned. What then are you to learn to give today? So he's coming in this lesson and he's saying, Don't think you're going to teach and learn this light. You're going to have to jump. (laughs) You, you will not teach or learn the light. But there is something that you will teach and learn, and there is something that you will learn to give, and that's what the focus is. And this is the answer to our first two sections from the text, and then how is judgment relinquished. We were told that it's not that you should not judge, it's that you must see that you never have judged. You cannot relinquish something that you never had in the first place. So now, he's saying the same thing here. He's like, you're not going to be able to teach or learn the light and this knowledge that that God gave in creation because this is so far beyond teaching and learning that it's not even in your realm. So don't even worry about it. And, he's saying, I'm going to focus on what it is that can be learned and what it is that can be given. Our lesson to yesterday evoked a theme found early in the text, experience cannot be shared directly in the way that vision can. What does that mean? Revelation cannot be shared directly in the way that vision can. What does that mean? Light cannot be shared directly in the way that vision can. Okay, he's practical. He's telling us that's why we're not going to focus on thinking we already know what the light is or even trying to speculate what light is. Because how could a mind that believes in love and fear even speculate on what eternal light and love is? So he's like saying, don't think that the light or the experience is where the focus is because it cannot be shared directly in the way that vision can. The revelation that the father and son are one will come in time to every mind, yet, It is that time, it is that time determined by the mind itself, not taught. So there's your answer, Ari, to one of your questions. You were saying, Is it, is it something, is there a specific time on my journey where I will wake up? That was your question. You know, and Jesus is answering you directly here in lesson 158. He's saying, the revelation that the Father and Son are one, will come in time to every mind. So the answer to your question is yes. It is set, it is determined. Yet, is that time determined by the mind itself, not taught? So that time that it is set is not determined by teaching and learning. So when people say, is there something I can do? in time, to speed it up. Is there something I can do? Is there Can I do anything better in time and space? You know there's a lot of anxiety around this thing of thinking, is there anything that I can do, Jesus, to reach spiritual enlightenment faster? And he's saying, that time is set, but the mind has determined it. It's not determined by teaching and learning. So, the realm that we're dealing with, with miracles and forgiveness, that whole realm of time and space, this is, this is not the mind that has determined, that has set that time. You know, when you wrote your questions in, I I was thinking of my grandfather today. My grandfather passed away in the early 1980s, but his name was Heinrich Hermann Hofmeister. H-H-H. And... He was so sweet and he was so gentle and he was kind and he was not a man of many words. He did not, he was really on the quiet side. But sometimes I would be sitting with him and we would be talking or watching a baseball game or something and he would start to let out of his quiet mind his philosophy and oh believe me I was paying attention. And his, basically his whole philosophy was, was summarized in two ideas. From Heinrich Hermann Hoffmeister to Little David. Which was, um, first of all, his first teaching was on hypotheticals. He would hold his finger up and he would use one word, which which was if. And he would say, if, the largest word in the human dictionary. And I would be like, what? If, which is hypotheticals. If only I had done this differently. If only, you know, I had made better choices in my life. If only, somehow. Don't worry. This will be on the replay for you, Ari. So you're not going to miss this. It'll it'll come in. You can't you can't miss this, no matter what. There's no no way. It's destined. You'll catch it like Truman Show. Catch it on catch it on the best of. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the replay. Peter can tell you what, what where to find it in the upload. But anyway, if he would say if David is the largest word in the English language, and I would be like, it seems kind of small to me, but he was trying to teach me about hypotheticals. He was trying to teach me about the coulda, woulda, shoulda's of the world. That that it it's all a trick. That's why it's the largest word in the human dictionary, the human language. Because that if word is the belief in hypotheticals. It's the belief in circumstances. It's the belief in past and future. It's the belief that there are different circumstances and different situations even. If, it's behind situational thinking. It's huge. So that's really deep. This is like deep. Plato would love to be part of our discussion right now. And he is. He's like smiling. Plato's going cool, you guys are unraveling the deepest questions in all of time and space. So if, is he was basically teaching that, that hypotheticals is keeping you from knowing who you are and keeping you from happiness and peace. The belief in hypotheticals. And then the second thing he would teach me is he would look at me with a big smile on, her, on his face and he would look at me and he would say, your day is set. Your day is set. My day is set. What does that mean? My day is set. He was teaching that all things work together for good. He was teaching that that there's a greater destiny, that we wake up to know our divine love that God created us, and also in time and space, that everything is part of a pre-arranged script that we have no ability to change whatsoever. That, and people, even when I go to China, then I go to the Chinese and they go, I, I read Disappearance of the Universe and I read what Art and Persis said, and then I've got to kind of go into the, with the Chinese the depth of what Art and Persis said. They're awakened masters, David. What are you saying? They said you could collapse. Time collapse is a metaphor, collapsing time. But that's still a time metaphor, and simultaneity, that everything's simultaneous, is even higher than time collapse, is the realization that it's all simultaneous. That's, that's the gateway back to heaven, is, is simultaneity. And, it, and you can't necessarily relate to it until you get into your miracle function of, of letting the miracles bring the Alpha and the Omega back together, begin to collapse the belief in linear time. That's what's practical about miracles. Miracles show us that that the Alpha and the Omega are the same. That Abraham Maslow said the means and the end for self-actualizing people. The means and the end are the same. So when my grandfather would say your day is set, he was simply telling me the script is written in his own terms, that, that your day is set. And, and sometimes I wondered, how could he possibly tell me such a thing? Your day is set. But his mother was burned in a fire when he was a boy. And you don't think his mind went into some grief and turmoil with your mother being burned in a fire. You know, he went through life experiences. You know, he went through experiences that where he had questions. Like, how could this be? How could this happen? And he went, had to face and forgive a lot of things, and that's why he was saying, your day is, is set to me. It's like that, uh, what was that Indian movie where, uh, like, the script is written, does anybody remember that? It was um, where all the experiences in the movie the main character goes through show him that the script is written. Real famous Indian movie. Slumdog Millionaire, yeah. There's a good one, that's a good one. Because the whole movie was just a demonstration that, that the script is written. It was just a demonstration that, as my grandfather would say, your day is set. It was a miraculous kind of revelation that came from life experiences suddenly being contradicted by something that was so spectacular that it showed all of time and space in a different way. That's, that's, that's a miracle. That's, that's what we're asking for. That's why it's called A Course in Miracles. It's extremely practical to shift us, take us toward that thing. So here it is. Jesus says, the time, this is lesson 158, The time is set already. It appears to be quite arbitrary. Yet there is no step along the road that anyone takes by chance but by chance. It has already been taken by him, although he has not yet embarked on it." Wow. When people read these sentences, they're just like, oh my god. That's where they get the oh my gods. This is where I get the questions, you know, people go, what is he talking about? I'll read the sentence again because, you know, it's one of those it has already been taken by him, although he has not yet embarked on it. Now he's going to explain himself in the next sentences, as he always does. Just when your mind goes I don't get it. For time but seems to go in one direction. Now anybody who studied quantum physics know that that quantum physics teaches that time should easily be able to go backwards as well as forwards. But that's not our human experience. Our human experience teaches us that time but goes in one direction. It goes forward. That's what all human beings relate to. Is it going forward? Quantum physics has shown that according to the laws of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, it should be just as easy to go backwards as forwards. And that's what Jules Verne, and remember the the time traveler books, you know, about time, going back in time I talked about recently, uh, or time travel, you know, it's basically seen as science fiction, (laughs) but what if all time and space is science fiction, you know, and what if it's just a delusion that time just moves in one direction, he says here, for time but seems to go in one direction. We but undertake a journey that is over. Yet it seems to have a future still unknown to us. Now it gets even deeper. This is rabbit hole time. You might feel yourself slipping down into the rabbit hole with this next paragraph. Be not afraid. Uh, This is just the light of love calling us home. Time is a trick a sleight of hand, a vast illusion in which figures come and go as if by magic. Yet there is a plan behind appearances that does not change. The script is written. When experience will come to end your doubting has been set. For we but see the journey from the point at which it ended looking back on it, imagining we make it once again, reviewing mentally what has gone by. A teacher does not give experience because he did not learn it. It revealed itself to him at its appointed time. But vision is his gift. This he can give directly, for Christ's knowledge is not lost because he has a vision he can give to anyone who asks. The Father's will and his are joined in knowledge, yet there is a vision which the Holy Spirit sees because the mind of Christ beholds it too." So if you look at your wife, if you look at your child, if you look at your neighbor, just remember this area, you have a gift inside of you that you can give. And and Jesus is saying, you can give it. He's saying, on this regard, he's saying, you have it. You have it. You truly have it. And you can give it. At other places in the Course he says, you know, You can't give something you don't already have. And he's telling us, you have that spiritual vision. You have that let thine eye be single in you. And that gift is not a matter of time. That gift is something you have. And if you decide to give it, if you decide to give it to your wife, to give it to your child, if you decide to give it, that will take you towards what you are praying for that gift that you have to give is the answer to your question that you wrote out that gift and that gift is pure light that that's why it's so different from gifts of this world you know it's not like a birthday gift or you know you know honey my wife i'm going to give you an anniversary gift but this is going to be a gift like you've never had before <laughs> Because it's pure love. It's, it's pure, pure, pure love. And what does that mean in terms of time and space? It means, I love you unconditionally. It means, I love you with no parameters. It means, I love you with no ifs, ands, or buts. It means, I love you without exception. That's agape love. That's what Jesus is teaching us. We have the power, we have the gift inside to give. And you notice he started off this lesson by talking about knowledge, and he started talking about experience, and he's telling us here that this gift is not even an experience, because he's saying experience cannot be shared directly in the way that vision can. The vision is the gift. That's the gift we have to give. That's that's what our our part is. To give the vision is within our realm not only of possibility but of, of certainty, of it's it's inevitable that we give this gift. And that's the key that unlocks eternity. That's the key to eternal life. And he's saying you can do this. In fact, his whole course is saying it's very practical. It's on miracles. It's on forgiveness. And now he's speaking about the vision, the gift that can be given. So I'm so glad that all of you wrote in what you wrote in, and I know that uh, that we're going to get into this tomorrow. <laughs> this this session is is like a mighty springboard because this is we will get into this tomorrow, and I think. Uh, our movie today, God help us. God help us come up with a movie. Uh, Somebody asked me on the phone the other day, I I told them, oh, we're doing open-mindedness, and they said, great, David, what movie are you gonna show? And I was just like, I have no idea. God help me, God help us all. After that session that's coming through, you know, I I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll pray, as always. God help us, we'll pray. But, tomorrow, uh, I'm so glad you asked that question, Ari, and I'm so glad, Barbara, you shared what you shared, and and Kristen, and all of you that really contributed to this session today, because it keeps it very, uh, very practical. It's like today's session was an answer to a lot of prayers, because it's really deep, but it's also extremely practical. Jesus is never giving us something that, that is beyond our capacity to to enact, to take take a decision on to to go for. He's never holding out a piece of cheese and telling us go for the cheese and then pulling the cheese away. He's all, he wants us he wants us to get the cheese. <laughs> he wants us the, str- the cheese on the end of that, that string. He, he wants us to get it. He really wants us to totally do it, but we do have to to receive it by giving it. We, we it is a gift that's inside of us that we have to give away. So, thank you so much. That is really all that I have to say on open mindedness. <laughs> that's uh, that's my whole heart uh, given over to to that topic, that theme, and. Uh, in in about an hour and a half or so i think uh we will god willing <laughs> have a movie for you otherwise i'll be back in this chair and and you guys will all be going uh, you know <laughs> your curiosity <laughs> will be uh, activated i'm sure uh, in, in a strong way but but our intention is to pray and and actually uh, receive a movie uh, so So have a good rest or a bite to eat or just a a beautiful interlude and uh, we shall have the next session on the way. Thank you from all of my heart.